Good morning and welcome, welcome, welcome to Central Church. We are so glad that you are here today. Yes, we're in this series called Why. We've been asking important why questions. Well, last week, why the Bible? This week is why pray. Remember, the the disciples asked Jesus, uh, Lord, teach us to pray in Luke chapter 11. It's interesting, of all the things that they, they saw Jesus, you know, uh, uh, calm storms, turn water into wine, feed thousands of people with loaves of bread. And and, but the thing they wanted most from Jesus, said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And that's when in Luke, we can read the, the Lord's prayer there that he gave them in Luke 11. Or, or the one that we're more familiar with is the version in Matthew. <sighs> the sermon is on prayer. I, it seems like we need to say the Lord's prayer, don't you think? And we can't sit down when you say the Lord's Prayer, I don't think. So why don't you stand up and repeat it with me. Ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth, in Flint, as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can be seated. I think the Lord is happy when his people pray his prayer, don't you? I think the Lord is even happier when his people live out the Lord's prayer. When we recognize that God is holy. When we look around and see that he wants his kingdom to come and his will to be done right here on planet earth, right here in Flint as it is in heaven when we are thankful for the provision, when we're thankful for a daily bread, when we, when we seek to, to forgive those people just as we have been forgiven, and when we call on him to help us to live through and live above those temptations that come, and when we recognize that to him, all to him goes the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Ah, I think God loves that when we embrace it and live into it. So, do I pray well? Uh, this is not how to pray. That was the disciples' question in Luke 11. How am I going to pray, Lord? How do, you, how, do, how do we pray like you pray so that we see uh, things happen like happened through you? That's not today's sermon. I'm not going to give you a one, two, three, four, this is how you pray. The question is, why pray? Last week when we were doing um, uh, the Bible and why the Bible, I gave you some statistics and I talked about the cliff that that we Americans went off between 2021 and 2022. In 2021, and the previous 11 years before that, 50%, it was very consistent, 50% of people uh, said that they read their Bible at least three or four times a year. That's not a high standard, only three or four times a year, but 50% of Americans said they did that. They read their Bible three or four times a year, you know, 50%, 50%, until this year. When the American Bible Society did their study this year, it fell to 39%. It had it the sharpest decline since they've been doing that survey. Crazy. Well, I couldn't find a, a, a survey that had been conducted on prayer life, but I did find this. 45% of Americans say they pray daily. 45%. You think, well, that's not bad. 15 years ago in 2007, that percentage was 58%. So 58% of people said that they prayed daily, you know, 15 years ago. Now it's 45%, but the number most concerning, and the number that I think is most relevant for today's question, 
is 32% of Americans, 32% of the people you go to school with or work with or see in the mall, 32% said they never or seldom pray. And those people, so those people are, are, are saying, when they hear this question, why pray, they're saying, yeah, exactly, why pray, why bother? Why waste my time? No, thank you. And those people don't see the need for prayer or see the relevance of prayer. Maybe they don't believe that there's a God that hears their prayer. And maybe there's a, some, some like that in this room. You know, you, 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 you were dragged here to church today. Wasn't your choice, but here you are. And when, when Pastor Joey was up here praying, you were, you know, doing your to-do list of the rest of the day. Lunch, lions, loud lamenting, lawn work, leftovers, lie down, go to bed, amen. That's alliteration for L's to get the lions' losses in there. Maybe that's you. Why pray? Why bother? Or maybe you're in the camp that says, well, God is sovereign. And, and I, I think most of us here, I mean, you came to church on a Sunday morning, uh, most of us here believe that in prayer. Most of us here believe that there's a God that hears us when we pray. But some of us, maybe in the camp that says, well, why pray? God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God's going to do what God's going to do when he wants to do it. Of course he is. So why in the world pray? God's already going to do it. God is God Almighty. <laughs> you may be in that camp. Or maybe you're in the camp the exact opposite. There's a circle of theological thought going on right now that, that believes God is love. God is all loving. But he's really not all powerful. I mean, there's some things that God can't do, and that's why there's evil in the world. God can't fix that. And, and so God would like to, but his hands are kind of tied behind his back. And so why pray? Because he really can't do anything anyway. Or maybe, maybe you're in the camp, those of you who are really honest, would say, why pray? When I was going through a terrible circumstance, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and nothing happened. God had his chance to answer my prayer, but he blew it. He didn't come when I needed him to come. He didn't stop when I needed him to stop. So why pray? I've had it with prayer. Maybe God hears some people's prayers, but he sure didn't listen to my prayer. Why pray? Maybe that's you. I think back in Luke 11, we can get some help. In Luke 11, the disciples asked Jesus, you know, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he gave them the, the Lord's Prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer now. But then following that, he, he gives us his truth. He kind of goes, it's kind of a truth sandwich. So it's story, truth, story. And this is the first story. And then, following giving them the Lord's Prayer, and then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, Lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose uh, the one inside answers, don't bother me. Listen, if you come to my house at midnight, knock on my door, that's probably gonna be my response. Don't bother, or hey Carla, why don't you go see who's at the door? No, I will not do that. I go to the door, what do you want? Is there an emergency? You need me to call 911? Do you need a tourniquet? What do you want? It's midnight. I need some bread. 
Are you kidding me? You're waking me up for bread? It's midnight. You don't wait till the morning, go to Walmart. It's midnight. But apparently that's what the guy in Jesus' story said. Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your, get this, shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need because of your, your shameless audacity. How in the world could you come at midnight asking for bread, you knucklehead? Your shameless audacity, all right. I like the way the New Living Translation uh, uh, translates that portion. It says, if you, if you keep knocking long enough, if you just keep on knocking, you start knocking, and you keep knocking, and you don't stop knocking, if you do that long enough, I'll hear you. Uh, F.B. Meyer, theologian from, hundred, uh, I don't know, 50 years ago, said, too often our problem isn't unanswered prayer, our problem is unoffered prayer. Keep knocking, don't stop knocking, don't quit knocking. I remember about 15 years ago, a friend of mine named Ray graduated from college and he could not find a job. I mean, he put his resumes in every place, he filled all the applications, he did all the things. He couldn't get his foot in the door any place, any place, any place. And on Sunday morning, he was telling me about that, you know, as I go around saying, how you doing, how you doing, whatever. Went around to Ray, how you doing? Man, I can't get a job. I put in my application, I've done everything, can't get a job. I really need, I really need to work. Ray was married, he needed a job. And so I said, well, Ray, we'll pray for you. And that was, you know, that was kind of it. Went on the rest of the day. Well, Tuesday morning, uh, Wait, let me back up. So Ray, on Monday night, unbeknownst to me, unbeknownst to me, Ray decided he was just going to pray through the night. He was going to, you know, start knocking. <laughs> and so he determined that he was going to pray all night long, that, that God would open up a door, he'd go wherever God wanted him to go, he'd do whatever God wanted him to do, he's going to just, you know, pray all night, pray all night, pray all night. That was Monday night going into Tuesday. Well, Tuesday morning, I used to meet with a group of guys uh, for, we just kind of talked together and then we'd pray. It really wasn't a Bible study. It was more just like a, a small little group and we'd pray together. And so that day, we never really talked about uh, their places of employment or what they did for a living. I knew what they did, but we really didn't get into that so much. So one day though, that Tuesday, that Tuesday, got together and the one guy said, man, oh man, I'm so busy at my workplace. Uh, would you pray, you know, because it's so busy. And I said, well, are you trying to hire somebody? He goes, oh yeah, we're trying but we interviewed a guy yesterday. He's not going to work out. I don't know what we're going to do. I said, do you know Ray? He goes, oh, yeah, I know Ray. I said, what about Ray? He goes, well, have Ray give me a call. So this is 6 in the morning. I didn't want to wake Ray up. I didn't know he prayed all night, so I called at 9 o'clock. <laughs> he went to bed. I woke him up anyway. And I called him, and I said, Ray, hey, I, I just talked to Jerry. Do you know Jerry? Yeah, I know Jerry. I said, call Jerry. Jerry's got a job. So Ray called Jerry, went in that afternoon, had the interview. He worked on Wednesday morning. Knock, 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 knock. And sometimes, sometimes uh, prayer is, is the language of the, some, someone said the language of the poor, the language of the desperate. What did Jesus say in the Beatitudes? You know, in Matthew 5, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. Not um, the self-sufficient. They don't pray. They don't feel they, they need to. Not the self-satisfied. They don't pray. They don't feel they want to. The poor in spirit. Those that are desperate. Those that are crying out. Those who, who believe that, that there's a high expectation that God is going to work somehow, some way. The poor in spirit. It's... it's those that keep on praying, won't stop praying, keep on knocking, don't stop knocking because they just believe, they just believe that God is going to work. Jim Sabala, the pastor of, of Brooklyn Tabernacle, he said this in his book, Fresh Faith. Many times in life, God waits while a situation goes from bad to worse. And you say, to the point where you say, there is no way this will ever work out. But that's the point when our omnipotent God sees our hopelessness and says, oh, really? Watch this. Keep on knocking, keep on knocking. Don't stop knocking. But some people here are saying, Pastor, don't you think I've done that? I mean, my situation was so terrible. Don't you think I've, I've been knocking? That's not the problem. I've been knocking, 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 nothing, 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 nothing. Jesus told a parable in Luke 18 for that very circumstance. In Luke 18, the the Bible says this, Luke wrote it, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and never give up. That's our circumstance, right? Knocking, 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 nothing's happening. Jesus tells this story then, so why you should keep on praying and not give up. And the story goes on about a widow. This poor, poor widow has an adversary. We don't know who her adversary is. We don't know if it's a man or a woman. We don't know what the real issue is, the problem is. All we know is it's bad enough that she has to go to a judge. Ah, but that's the problem. 18.2 says that judge neither feared God nor nor cared what people thought. Ah, what kind of judge is that? That's a lousy judge. If he didn't fear God, didn't believe that, that God's word uh, impacted them, didn't believe in the Ten Commandments, didn't believe that there was a day of judgment in which he's going to stand before a holy God, just like all of us. If there's, a, if there's a judge like that, and on top of it, he doesn't even care what people think. He doesn't see people as victims. He doesn't see people as brothers and sisters. He doesn't see them as fellow citizens. They're a problem. We would say, forget it, lady, don't go to him. He's a lousy judge. You're not going to get any help. And apparently that's what was happening because in in verse uh, uh, 4, it says, for some time he refused. She went, she went, she went, and nothing, nothing, nothing. We'd say, he's probably in cahoots with your adversary. He's probably, you know, you're not going to get a fair hearing from this guy. Just forget it. That, That door is slammed shut. Well, this lady, she didn't get it because she picked herself up, she brushed herself off, and she came up with a plan. I know what I'll do. I'm going to pester the snot out of that guy. I'm going to sit in his courtroom every single day just looking at him. 
And when he goes to Starbucks to get his coffee, I'm going to be there. And when he shows up in the grocery store, I'm going to find out which one he's at. And he's going to go to pick up his cantaloupe. And guess who he's going to see? Me. Wherever he goes, wherever he turns, he's going to see my face looking at him. And he's going to know, listen, you got to help this lady. He's going to, he's going to, I'm going to be like white on rice to this guy. He's going to be so sick of me. Today, we would say she needs, she's stalking the guy. He needs to file a personal protection order against this guy. Of course, they didn't have that then. And guess what? The plan worked. Finally, that crazy, good-for-nothing, low-down, terrible, terrible, terrible judge said, Ah! Would somebody help this lady? She's driving me crazy. And finally, she got help. Now, if we stop the story, if Jesus stopped the story right there, you'd be tempted to think, okay, I know how this story works. I'm like that widow. I don't know where to turn. I have a problem. And so the one that can help me, uh, I, just need to, I just need to bother him and beg him and plead with him and bargain with him and do whatever I have to do. And I'm going to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going until finally God Almighty, you know, says, all right, because God's like that judge. And if I pester him long enough, if I beg him long enough, then he has to say, okay, enough already. That is not the point of Jesus' story. He tells us the point. He says, and, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and get it quickly. We're not, we're not like that widow. We're nothing like that widow. We're not abandoned. We have God Almighty. What did Jesus tell us? Never will I leave you or forsake you. We're not, we're not like her. Who are we? We're children of the King of kings and Lord of lords. We're not like that. Jesus has adopted us into his family. We're not like that widow. We're nothing like her. And God Almighty, praise his name, is nothing like that terrible, awful, rotten, horrible judge. He loves you. He desperately cares for you. He longs for you to be near to him. He's nothing at all like that judge. What, is, what, is, what did Jesus say? Pray always. Pray always. Henry Nouwen, probably the foremost authority, I suppose, on prayer in the last century, he wrote, he wrote this about that very verse. That word, pray always, is the, is the Greek word um, for hezekiah, which, which means the root of that is rest. I think sometimes we have a faulty understanding of prayer. Prayer is not simply knock, 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 knock. That's what I, Pastor, that's what you said it was. I, it's not knocking as in begging. It's not if I beg long enough, if I plead hard enough, if I bargain wild enough, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. That's, that's, not, that's not what we're talking about. Henry Nouwen said that the root of that word is rest. What did Jesus say? Come to me. All you who are burdened and weary, and I will give you 
rest. Are you burdened and weary? Has life been coming at you? Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you a to-do list. Nope. Come to me and I'll tell you how to reach your potential. Nope. Come to me and I will give you rest. Are you tired of being on the treadmill of life? Are you tired of being weary? Are you tired of that circumstance that you can't get away from? It's there in the morning. It's the thing you think about at night. It's there all the time. And you go to the Lord and you're saying, God, you got to help me. You got to help me. You got to help me. Maybe what you need is rest. Resting in the arms of the one who loves you the most. Resting in the one who has never let you down. Resting in the one who cares for you deeply, cares for you. Resting in the provision that he has given you already and knowing that he's been there in the past, he'll be there tomorrow. We can trust him. Rest. Come unto me and you will have rest. It's saying, Lord, I know you love me. I've got a million examples of how you've shown your love to me. And I know I can trust you because I have a million examples in my life that when I trusted you, you always came through. And I know, Lord, I know, Lord, that, that you, have, you can provide. You're the great provider. You've provided for me. Oh, but Lord, I'm so tired of this circumstance. Can I just find rest in you? It's the knocking isn't out of desperation and begging. It's knocking saying, Lord, I need you. Jesus says, keep on doing it. Remember, story, truth, story. The, the truth that Jesus says is in verse nine. So I say to you, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be opened. Those words have probably been misused more by preachers in the 20th century, 21st century now, more than any other. Right? The name it, claim it. You, you just name it and claim it and God's got to give it. You ask, he's got to do it. You plead, he's got to come through. That's the way it works. Name it, claim it, it'll be yours. I don't think, I don't think Jesus was talking about mansions and, and, and bank accounts and great cars. Matthew, Matthew uh, 8 tells us a little bit about it. He says, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He's not talking about material things. I mean, Jesus, when he died, what did he have? He had one seamless robe. They gambled for it at the foot of the cross. That's it. He's not talking about that stuff. What's he talking about? Here it is, the story. Which of your fathers, if, you ask, if, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you what? Not a mansion, not a 403B account. How much more will the Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? That's what we need. An infilling of the Holy Spirit 
that will enable us to trust in him more when the storms come. The Holy Spirit that will empower us to overcome those life circumstances. The Holy Spirit that will, that will abide in us when times are difficult. It's saying, Lord, I need you. Yes, this is my circumstance. This is the situation. I don't know what I'm going to do about that, but I know this. If I have you, I'll be victorious over that. If, if you're in me and your spirit is in me, then Lord, I can trust you. Remember, why pray? Why pray? Because we need more and more of Jesus so that we can rest in his arms and relax and re be ready because we just trust that he's going to work all things for his glory. Why? Why pray? Because we believe that prayer works. We believe that God comes. We believe that in the midst of the worst circumstances, the worst troubles, the worst problems, there's no hope. No, 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 there's hope. Why? Because of Jesus.